This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. In the name of Jesus, at that name every knee shall bow. If you want to see God the Father, the Bible says look at Jesus. He's the exact representation of Father God. So to know Jesus is to know the Father. And where you look at the life of Jesus, he never turned anyone down for healing. He never turned anyone down for freedom. He never turned anyone down for forgiveness. And they were all unbelievers. No one was born again in the earth. How much more? We as sons and daughters of the Lord, represent him. And we can release, it says, the sins that you forgive and don't, you remit those sins are forgiven. We have more than we know. <laughs> but God wants to heal, and you're qualified for healing because you're here. You've come to him. And he can take the smallest bit of faith. Just pray for me. And sometimes only take that. Somebody else is praying for you and just, what happened? <laughs> God healed me. And, and I've been healed um, many times, but my, my dad had tremendous pain in his legs. You don't know how healing's going to come sometimes. But uh, they were going to do this uh, procedure, um, varicose vein uh, laser procedure or something on his legs. And uh, we'd gone through a whole bunch of tests. And anyway, he's, he's in pain. He, he doesn't really believe in, in healing, that God heals today. He can do just about anything else, but that part was... That part somehow dropped off. I still haven't figured that one out. But anyway, it dropped off, and God doesn't heal. So you have to really, you know, watch it um, the way you, you know, kind of say things. And um, he, he has seen the healing power of God because my mom was in the hospital, and I came up to the hospital to see her, and all these nurses in there is just chaos in the room. And uh, I asked my dad what's going on. He just yelled, they can't get mom's blood pressure down. So they go running out. They're going to call the doctor and all this stuff. And uh, it was just one of those moments. I don't care what you think. I just went over to the blood pressure machine. And I just spoke to her. I said, you come down in the name of Jesus. It goes, boom, boom. They come rushing back in. It's normal now. But uh, you got to understand, uh, my family, it was kind of like it never happened. <laughs> but God can heal, and God is still in the delivering business. But anyway, so we, we're praying. I prayed and said, Lord, this pain, you know, it, it needs to go. So uh, we're... Uh, at the doctor, and the nurse pushes on this artery and said, this is going to really be painful, pushes real hard on this artery. 
And he said, after she let go, and said it hurt terribly, after she let go, all pain left. And he said he had a little clot in his leg, which I know says gone. Well, hey, only thing I know, God used that just to flush everything. <laughs> if he's a happy camper, I'm a happy camper. Things are easier <laughs> in the family. <laughs> Yeah. Did that really did I really just see Jesus descend into the clouds? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> Remember that story? Everybody he ascends and nobody believes that. They talked themselves out of it. I really didn't see that, so I'm gonna block that out of my mind because if that really happened, I have a lot to deal with in my heart. <laughs> Things have to change. And they don't want to face that. Well, anyway, don't want to take too much time here because we have Joanne Rook here, and uh, it's great to, I haven't seen her in a while, talked to her some on the phone, but y'all have, uh, you Israel people have seen her, but it's great to have her, have her back home and refreshed and ready to go. I want to thank Terry for filling in for me. Uh, last month at really pretty much the last moment and uh, I heard she did a great job and appreciate Terry and her uh, teaching gift uh, you know so much I know it uh, I heard many good reports I don't think I, I told Terry but I'm telling you now you did a great job <laughs> and appreciate it uh, so much I got to be with my uh, younger son they dropped in on us and, and spent some time, and they're so busy, you just grab hold, um, if you understand what I'm talking about, if any time you have, you grab it and, and take it, but uh, I want you to welcome Joe as she comes and delivers the word to us. Glory to God. So wonderful to be back. I thank you all for everything that you have done, picked up and done such a marvelous job. I heard great things about the teachings. And um, I'm going to put this aside. So, well, let's pray for a second. Father, we just thank you and we praise you and we worship you. I'm grateful for a team, Lord that has your heart and desires for others to be set free. And I thank you for everything that they have sown, and I'm asking you to return to them a hundredfold, plus, 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 plus. And I thank you for it, Lord. Now, Father, I thank you that we have a privilege and an honor to be in your presence. In Jesus, you are always at healing service. You always come. You never disappoint. You paid the price. So... 
Father, I pray that our eyes would be opened, our ears would be opened, that we would see and hear things from you that we've not yet seen or refreshed, be refreshed in the things that you've already taught us, Lord, that we would open every part of our being to what you have for us. And today it's healing. And so, Father, we just declare ahead of time that we are the healed of the Lord and those that have come, they will leave differently than they came, set free, and there's no weapon of hell that can stand in your presence for you are that I am father and we thank you that you are love that healing has been paid for every gift and everything that you provided at the cross has been done and we're appropriating it today father and we thank you for it now Holy Spirit just have your way whatever you would like to do we are yielded vessels and we thank you we bind every wicked thing and just loose the power of the Holy Spirit in this place today. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about seven steps to defeat defeat. Now, I just want you to think for a moment in what is going on in your life and just mentally jot down three items that have been a stumbling block, a hindrance, uh, a defeat that you just can't seem to get victory over or have just circled. Anybody have things from when they were a kid and they just kind of circle back and you fight and you get victory and, you know, eating the wrong things some way is uh, something that cycles back. And so <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, wise choices, wise choices. Who is defeating whom in that case? Some days... You can be the defeated, and some days you're the one that defeats. See what I'm saying? And it comes back around. Well, I want to tell, talk to you about seven different things you can do to defeat defeat. So before we do that, let's find out what defeat means. Defeat being a verb to means win a victory over, to overcome or to beat. As a noun... It says an instant of de an instance of defeating. I always like that. You're looking up the word and it tells you, okay, an instant, well, if you don't know what defeat means, how do you know what defeating means? But it means overcoming and beating or being defeated. Now, you can defeat or you can be defeated. It's an interesting thing. You can defeat defeat or defeat can beat you at the, at, the, at the thing of life. How does that relate to healing? Sickness and disease, we know is not of God, correct? Comes from the enemy. So in all our being, we have every right and every obligation to fight against sickness and disease, don't we? It's, it's not anything that should be welcomed in. How long are you going to stay? You know, I've met people that I go to pray for and they say, well, I just want a pill. Just forget about it. I don't want to do anything. I just want to take a pill and they want the pill to resolve the issue. How many of you know that no pill is going to resolve your issue? It may mask the pain or the symptoms for a time, but the pill is not designed to eradicate the issue. There's something else that has to be done. But many people, if you can go throw a pill at it, they're all fine with that. Well, the problem is, is one pill is going to lead to another, which leads to another, and you never eradicate the symptoms. So, and, and thus the sickness and disease. So we're about defeating every sickness, every disease, but we can apply this to any area of in your life. We can apply it to your thinking. 
you know, um, I remind myself diseases of long continuances or situations of long continuances um, are under the curse. They have already been defeated. But you get in the situation sometimes and you're in it for so long that the outlook looks bleak. It looks like you'll never have victory over it. You know, you, you may have had a little bit of victory, but you're still struggling and it does never look like you'll be on top of it. But that is defeated thinking. That is twisted or wickered thinking that you will never come out and it's designed directly from the enemy to talk you into agreeing with the enemy so that you never go after your victory. So we're going to talk about defeating defeat. So an obsolete, uh, what they say is an obsolete rendering of defeat is to destroy or destruction. It's not obsolete in my life. I like destroying or obliterating the enemy because he doesn't belong in my life and he shouldn't be influencing any area. Think about the influence in your life of sickness and disease or those things that plague you. Think about how much time it takes to do the things you need to do, to take a pill. If you're taking a pill three times a day, you need medicine bottles, you gotta go get prescriptions, you have to, all of these things. And in the meanwhile, your body is telling you everything it can't do because somebody said you have X, Y, Z. And so all of a sudden, not only do you, they say you have it, but then you just buddy up and you say, well, I have X, Y, and Z disease too. And you know, my father or my mother or my auntie had X, Y, and Z, and it runs in the family. And so what you're saying, if I can read between the lines with all that, what you're saying is this person who has a medical degree has told me that my life will be forever changed. Now, I don't really know this person. I go to him for their medical or her to, uh, for their medical expertise. But they said, and what they said is now cast in concrete, and there's nothing I can do to change it, but I'm forever stuck in this thing. And they say it is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And to top it off, it runs in the family. So auntie or so-and-so had this, and they had a really bad case of it. So the chances are that it will be really bad for me too so I have to hunker down and what I'm going to do instead of fight is I'm going to take my solid position of what they say who I don't even know I'm letting them speak into my life as if it's the final authority and I'm going to stay in my position and I'm going to try to hope for something better, but I know the odds and the pressure as they push you down and push you down don't allow you to take a step out of where you are. Now, to defeat defeat requires something on our part. First of all, we have to have an idea that we can step out of what they said belongs to us and what's ours. Now, you can take we are never against the medical field. God created the medical field to help us. So it is a tool. But you never use your hammer in your toolbox the same way you use your screwdriver. And you don't use your knife the same way as you use your tape measure. God presented every one of those tools. He created every one of those tools. And at the proper time, you take the hammer and use the hammer. You know, I like that one thing that somebody said, um, uh, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know, this is the way you go. <laughs> 
Um, but every tool is meant and designed by God for a purpose. And so the doctors are one of the tools that we use. We, we use their expertise. We go to them. We get sound wisdom. But then you have to go to the physician and find out the plan. That is where a lot of times we stay in this little box. But what happened is the thinking has now been framed. Here's the diagnosis. And sometimes there is a life expectancy attached to it. And so you come away from that thinking that this is the way it has to be. And defeat has already taken a big hold and put you in a box. And now the thinking is not how can I be free, how can I be healed, it's how can I manage. And so as we go through the process, it squishes you down and squishes you down and squishes you down and squishes you down. So you think that there's no alternative except defeat. But I'm here to tell you there is a great alternative. And you can defeat defeat. And I'm going to remind you this before I go any further. The battle is not yours. If you just plant that in your brain, God says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. With every temptation, he gives you an avenue of escape. You know, anybody with any kind of brain cells in operation with one another would know if God gives you an escape, take it, run. Don't stop and wait and see what's going on. Do what God is telling you to do. But if you never hook up with what God is saying, how do you know the avenue to take? So you go to the great physician, and then you figure out the battle plan. And you can defeat defeat. And it doesn't have to come back again. So, and you can take this for anything, any area in your life. It doesn't have to be just sickness and disease. So, a synonym or something that means the same is to beat, to conquer, to get around. I like that. In, uh, in, um, in the scripture where it says, you speak to the mountain, command it to be removed and cast into the sea. And if you doubt, not in your heart. But sometimes we want to drill tunnels underneath. We want to climb up. We want to go alongside of We want to fight real hard, but we won't speak to the mountain. Why is that? Why is that such a hard thing? Because the enemy knows your words carry power. Whose report do you believe? You know, in Malachi 3.6 it says, God says, your words are stacked against me. It's like, ouch. Now, if your words are stacked against God, do you know you can stop the operation of God in your life? Easy thing to do, to cooperate or to uncooperate. Unbelief stops God's operation. Mm, think about it. It's to skunk, um, to, la to master, to overcome, to prevail. I like this one, to skunk. I like that. You know, I think about skunks. They smell kind of bad, don't they? And the thing about skunks is their, their, their smell permeates. You got to go through this whole big thing. You know, they say tomato juice, take a bath and whatever. But wherever you go and you step and you sit, the skunk remains. See, that victory over the devil ought to be like the skunk smell. That you just mess him up so bad he won't touch you for a long time. Don't you love that? I like that one. So to stop, subdue, by triumph, or to win against. So now listen to this. To get the better of it by force or strategy, 
Conquer implies gaining mastery of a complete, excuse me, gaining mastery of and a complete overpowering. So seven steps to conquer, to gain mastery of, and to completely overpower defeat. Isn't that something you want to do? Something I want to do. There's a couple areas I'm already kicking it in. So, so gaining mastery of and completely overpowering is subduing and triumphing over sickness and disease in all the strategies of the enemy. So you ready for the steps? All right, step number one, recognize, I'm going to put it in quotations, the thing that's calling you, that's knocking at your door. What, what, is, what is talking to you the loudest? You got symptoms in your body that are telling you, you can't do this, you won't be able to do that. Um, um, what, what, what are common things? Uh, I don't feel like it. You ever get up and you think, I don't feel like it. Well, ask yourself, what do feelings have to do with it? Your feelings don't get to vote, right? So what do your feelings have to do with it? Absolutely nothing. So what do you do? So you, you're getting out of bed and every, every part of your body's aching and all. And before you even hit the floor, your knees are telling you, you know, that's going to hurt. You know, your hip is going, oh, your back is going, ah, you know, all of that stuff. And then it's like, you know, if I could just stay here another 15 minutes or so, that would be better, right? Has anybody ever done that? Snooze alarm. Think right straight from the pit of hell it came. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many times I've agreed with it. They're identifying. But when those things happen, they're identifying the thing, the report, the sickness, the disease, whatever is coming, I don't want to. Talk to yourself. You identify what it is. Identifying it allows you to do something about it, right? Now, you can't pretend it doesn't exist. Negative thoughts, feelings, failure, sickness, disease, bad reports, setbacks, oblique look and future. Uh, most of us in this um, audience today um, can clearly see you know, or let's say it this way, cannot even see 40 in our rearview mirror, right? So what does the devil talk to you about? Well, they're younger, they can do this. Uh, what about this? You know, your prime time is gone. Uh, what, 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 what can God do with you? What have you got to say? You know, you don't have, you, do you have the same energy? All of those things are designed to defeat you before you even take a step to do what God has called you to do in areas. It's designed to keep you in your cage. It's designed to keep you in the little cement block so that you don't step out. And you hear somebody is doing something and you get a quickening in your spirit and God says, you know, you, you, maybe you don't hear anything, but you know that you're hooked up to go to do something, but all the thoughts start coming back. And you know what? You had an opportunity when you were 20 years old to do some of this stuff and you didn't do it so you know God's not going to give you another chance who do you think you are who are you there's so much people there are people that are better all of those are defeat designed to get you to agree with the enemy so that you don't go forward and go for a victory now the other thing about that well let me keep going so what's knocking at your door that are constant reminders impossible looking situations and you've ever been hopeless I mean, truly hopeless, where you just don't, or you ever know anybody that is truly hopeless, and you talk, and you talk, and you encourage, and you do anything, and the meter of hopelessness just moves an inch, and you think, I got it. Okay, if we can get it moving, we're good. They got to get to a level 
where that meter of hope will start coming up. But when you acknowledge there's an issue, there's something that happens. You can't fix something you don't know that's wrong, can you? Faith begins where the will of God is known. You can't go for healing if you don't believe it's God's will for you to be healed. To be, get to believe that he paid for it. If you believe that you're supposed to get old and you're supposed to be, get sick and die. If you don't believe there's anything else, then how can you go and get a victory over that? So um, when you're doing this, how many times have you pretended a problem never existed? How many times have you ever pretended a problem never existed and it went away on its little own? What's the chances of that typically? So let's just say, let's do, um, let, let's just say somebody uh, gives you a diagnosis and um, <clears throat> let's just say, I don't know, what can we pick here? Um, let's just say failing eyesight. How's that? That your eyesight's failing. And let's just pretend it doesn't exist. So you get out and you drive, but you can't hardly see anything. What do you think that affects? What about reading the small print that says take uh, one pill instead of a half a pill? What do you think that does to you? So ignoring the problem doesn't make it go away. But acknowledging it, so step number one is you acknowledge it, you find out what the thing is. Some people don't even know what the thing is. They just know they're miserable, but they can't even get to the point, what is the thing? And so when you acknowledge it, but when acknowledging it, something happens in this step, is that people don't want to acknowledge and find out what it is because then you have to do something about it. Oh, isn't that something? Well, let's see. All right, so let's just say I ate too much for dinner last night. I acknowledge it. Maybe I even had a dessert. I didn't, but maybe I did, okay? And I acknowledge that. So if I just did the calculation of what I'm eating times three meals a day times seven days a week, where would that put me after a year? You know, if you start looking practical at some things, what it's going to do to you, then what you do in little, you will do in much. If you never do it in little, you will never do it in much. And what you do on a consistent basis, it will, will change you, not the big, wonderful things. So you identify the problem, which means then now that you are committed to do something about the problem. So, okay, so I know the problem exists, but what in the world do I do about the problem? So, we're going <clears> to, <throat> when you identify, first of all, most of the time that comes with, uh, there's a fear behind something. Have you ever experienced that before? That you know there's a problem, you've been powerless to do anything about it, but there's a fear. And fear talks. And it talks loudly sometimes, doesn't it? You know, uh, fell off a ladder uh, a few months back, and... Um, and got up, and I did everything I noted. And we, I said, let's stop at the store. We want to look at something. She said, well, you better get off of there. I said, no, healed people walk. And so I'm a walk, and well, in the meanwhile, my knees are growing and growing and growing. I'm still talking to it. I'm still doing everything I know to do. And, um, but pretty soon, I can't walk on it anymore. It's just way too painful. But here's the kicker. I had just come from a healing school in the morning, and I had a healing school at night in my house that night. And so here I got this knee the size of a football, you know, and, um, and I can't walk on it. And here the devil comes and says, okay, what are you going to tell them now? Miss, I teach healing. What are you going to tell them? They're going to see because you can't walk. What are you going to do? Fear knocks at the door. 
So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my cane out, and I'm going to walk the best I can. And we're going to teach, and we're going to do whatever we need to do, what God says about healing, and we're going to get our healing. That's what we're going to do. Well, that night happened to be mostly everybody that I knew. I already know for some of them for years come in and uh, more than half of them had issues with their knees and their legs. That one had a brace on their foot, another one had something on their knee, another one was experienced pain somewhere. At the end of the teaching, <clears throat> I said, well, I don't know about you, but I'm getting mine. So we prayed, and I got up, and I started limping around. After about the fourth time around the house, I was walking around. Glory to God. No cane in sight. So, you know, you have to decide something. You identify the thing, then you have to face the fear. You know, Jesus already defeated fear. It's of the devil. It's of the enemy. What are you going to do if you don't try anything? What do you think is going to happen to that fear level? It's going to keep on increasing. And are you ever going to get free, never trying to be free? It's not going to happen. So look at the fear and figure out the source of the fear and deal with it. If you've done something wrong in the process, if you've been ugly with somebody, you know, just go before God and say, Lord, listen, here's the deal. He's not surprised by any of it. You know, I, this is what I've done. Ask you to forgive me. Forgive yourself and receive. Now that the pipeline's clean, you go ahead. Say, okay, let's go to step number two. So you've identified it. You dealt with the fear. Uh, let's look at Luke 14, uh, 15, 14. Luke. Let me find Luke 15 in verse 14. I want to show you some stuff about... <clears throat> Luke 15 in verse 14. This is talking about the prodigal son. And he went and spent all his inheritance. And in verse 14, it says, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty phantom, phantom, phantom in the land, and he began to be in want. Now, let's look at this. He spent it all. He did it. He had gone out and spent every bit of money that he had gotten out of his inheritance, and he did it his way, doing it his way until there were no resources left. And he was all out of options. And he began to be in want. See, and look at, he said he went and joined himself to a citizen of that uh, country. And he sent him to his, his uh, field of swine. Okay. There arose a mighty famine. So an unexpected event took place. Perhaps the unexpected event is that you got a report from the doctor that says, hey, by the way, it's not good for you. An unevent you have done everything you know to do, however you need to do it, and you're out of options. And so look at what he does. This famine produced a need. He began to be in want, and it kind of looked hopeless for him. Well, what am I going to do? I don't have any options. You ever see people say, I don't have any choices? There's always a choice. It may not be the choices you want, but there's always a choice. He couldn't help himself any longer. He's done everything, no resources. And, you know, what happened to all of those, quote-unquote, friends that he spent all his substance on? Where were they in this process? And so in uh, verse 15, he said, He went and joined himself to a citizen. He had a self-idea. 
And it was based upon what he saw and what he felt and what he figured he could do. He joined himself to a citizen of that uh, country. Now think about that. It wasn't a citizen of his country. It wasn't like kindred. And it's going to be important because when you join yourself to somebody who doesn't believe in healing, are you going to get healing out of it? Uh-uh. You've got to join yourself with somebody who believes that what you're trying to do is possible. And he sent him. Now, this is what happened to this, um, uh, this person who he had spent probably money on and been associated with. It. He sent him to his fields to feed the swine. Oh, goody. He gets the lowest job of the low. And he would have filled his belly with the husks, but nobody gave it to him to eat. And so I kind of, some days when I read that, I think, well, how come he just didn't steal some? If he's starving, you know, why didn't he steal some? Anything. So, yeah, well, you kind of wonder about that, but nobody would give him anything. So here he is with, you know, all his money that he spent on all these different people, and here he is starving, and nobody will help him. But he thinks the great idea in the famine is to go to those people because they'll have a way out for them. Well, do they have a way out for them? Their way out is, you know, they, they enslaved them. It's basically what they did, didn't they? And so he's in a rut now. He's in a rut. He can't get out because he's starving. Where is he going to go? He's tied up with this, and he doesn't even have enough food. Uh, and so he's got to keep doing this because what little bit he gets at least provides him and keeps him alive. Does that make sense? So he joined himself, okay. It was not in, his self-idea was not in his best interest. The thing about God is God's ideas, God's ways are always in your best interest, always. And um, he probably, this path looked like to him probably the only reasonable way. And you know, when you eliminate everything else, and you look for the reasonable way, I have found many times that reasonable way that looks perfect on the outside is the one after you step in, you know, all the voting's been done and now you've stepped right into, uh-uh, it ain't the way it looks on the outside. Everything's different. And so they enslaved him, they worked him all day, they didn't give him enough food, there was no help even for those that he lavished before. They had no use for him, and they considered him of no value by what they did. So what did he do? He finally faced what was going on, because look, he said, verse 17, and when he came to himself. So I like to say when he came to his right mind, when he came to himself. So he had a change in thinking, didn't he? He had to change the way he thought. So the first thought would be, there's got to be a better thing here. I'm not destined for this. This is just is not, this is not how it ends for me. There has got to be a better thing. He decided that he was going to look at what he had before. There's a wonderful uh, thing in the Old Testament that God does. Uh, that is, he said, remember, recant. Tell your kids, your grandkids, what God has done. So he goes back and he remembers, which leads him to decision, which leads him to a plan, which leads us to step two. You have to read what is, what you're, 
If all your attention is on what you don't have, what the bad report is, what your body is telling you, what is going on, then you are going to be constantly led by that. What your dominant thoughts are will produce your actions. So if that's what you're feeding into yourself, everything you cannot do, everything they said, what the end is going to be, how bad it's going to be, then no alternative has a way to get through all that mess and make an impact. So you have to look and believe God's got a way to get you the message, the pathway, the thing to do. And it starts with his word. So you reassess your situation and you decide which way leads to death. The way he had done, the self way led to death. It was not in his best interest. Which way leads to life? And then you choose. We always talk about a quality decision. A quality decision is one that which there's no more argument about but there's no retreat. So when you choose, and there's something about that decision, oftentimes at night, the last thing of the day, I will write down everything that I have to do in the morning. I resist this sometimes because I know if I do that, then I have to do that, and I'm already conditioned to do that the next day, and there's some things on that list I don't particularly want to do. But feelings don't get to vote, so at the end of the day, I'm writing my list, and I'm thanking God. And I'm allowing that decision that I made, that quality decision is this is what's happening tomorrow. I'm allowing everything inside of me, my subconscious, and everything to equal and to line up together. That says when my feet hit the floor the next morning, this is the list that we're accomplishing. See, that quality decision will lead to a quality action. And it won't be just lip service. And you won't be fighting. Once you make that decision, there's no more fight. You make the decision, I'm going after healing. Healing belongs to me. And I may not know today how to get it, but I know the first step. I've decided I am healed. I'm not going to be, but I am healed because this is what God said. And if God said it, I agree with it. Whether I see any evidence or not, my feelings don't vote. It belongs to me. And something starts to change. Your thinking begins to change. So when you come to yourself and you think, okay, this way hasn't worked. So the impossible way must be the way I need to go. And isn't it amazing? Resources, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible to our thinking. It's impossible to our resources. It's impossible to our daily. Something's got to change our daily lifestyle. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. If you want something, what are you willing to do to get it? What you run across a lot of times is we all want to be healed, but we don't want to change anything we're doing. The two rarely will go together. It's not impossible that they do, but, but more often than not, there's going to be something required of you. So uh, number two is you have to refocus your attention. Make a plan. Even if that plan is, I'm going to get in the Word of God, start five minutes every morning if you're not already doing it. Make a plan. Make a plan what you want. Write it down. What do you want? I want to be healed. I want to do this. Write it down. Put it somewhere that you can see. And I like to say this. Do a positive um, affirmation over yourself every day. Whatever you want to see come to pass. Speak that over yourself, because when you speak God's word, you're speaking life into your body, into your situation. Then you have to take some action. Acknowledge God as your source, your refuge, your stronghold, your ever-present help in time of need. Let's look at that in Psalms 91. 
God loves you. He's a loving God. He's always for your good. He says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, Lord, you're my refuge, my fortress, my God, and you I trust. You deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence. You cover me with your feathers under your wings, I trust, and your truth is my shield and buckler. I will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day. So you declare these things over there. Now listen what God says at the end of it. He says, because Joe has set her love upon me, therefore will I deliver her. I'll set her on high because she's known my name. Joe will call upon me. I'll answer her. I'll be with her in trouble. I will deliver Joanne and I will honor her with long life. Will I satisfy her and show her my salvation? Put your name in there. Declare what God will not, not you're doing is you're changing your focus to what cannot, will not, not supposed to happen what they said to what the almighty God said provided the provider if we fully truly understood the list of what he paid for our receipt that it's paid in full we would be walking around as if that receipt was slapped on the top of our head and when somebody said something to us it'd be like what do you mean like, no 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 look look at the list this is what belongs to me. That belongs to somebody. Sickness and disease, mm -mm, mm -mm, not in my camp. Uh-uh, no, mm -mm, no, uh-uh. Yeah, but you have. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. The symptoms have to line up with what God said. And God said that I am the healed. I'm not trying to get healed. I am the healed. So I want to tell you today that I am the healed. And every symptom is going to line up to what God says, that my body functions perfectly as God created. And I want to tell you another thing. My youth is renewed as the eagles. That means I can do more today than I did yesterday. And I can do more. Now, I have found sometimes wisdom makes up for the speed that is the difference between 20 years old and present day age. So, I can do a lot of things, a lot smarter, a lot easier, with a lot less stress because of getting some godly wisdom that I could run around in circles over there. But, you know, it's like everything else. If you don't appropriate it, it's there for you to have, but you will never enter into it. It's a decision that we make to enter in and to go for the things of God. So we're refocusing our attention to what's possible, to what God said belongs to us, to the journey we're going on, not the one that they said has our name on it. Does that make sense? So Proverbs 4, attend to my word, and we don't have to go there. Uh, incline your ear. Um, Keep the word in the midst of your heart, for it's life. It produces life. Now, that's the thing about God's word. God's word works. It produces. We are not producing. God's word produces. We are not eradicating. We are not, let's put it this way, we're not taking a hammer and going after every, every cancer cell to kill it, right? But we are taking the power of the word of God. And that power in the word of God is going after every cancer cell to kill it, eradicate it. But God doesn't leave destruction. 
the youth is renewed like the eagles. So what has to be destroyed and eradicated is replaced with God-given, God-breathed cells. And so your words of your mouth produce power. Based on the word of, if you take the word of God and speak the word of God, you have released power into your situation. And you know what? I saw this picture one time when I was praying for somebody and, and they were uh, in the midst of, of, of pretty tough stuff. And here's what I saw. I saw just a bunch of enemies and in this case they had bows and arrows and um, from pastor Dodds would come they would come and they would be like from here from from pastor eyes about how far one of them was standing he shot it and it went like this and every single time it was like feet in front of her nothing penetrated nothing every target that was like a sure shot nothing right down right down the ones that came from all far away nothing Nothing, no weapon formed. It does not say the weapons won't be formed. It rains on the just and the unjust. You're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer for I've overcome it, says the Lord. You know, but no weapon formed against me will prosper. None. So you see it coming? I love, Linda reminds me all the time and I just love, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Your body doesn't know if it's a fake laugh or a real laugh. Ha, ha, ha. It doesn't care. It responds as it's real all the time. And the, the, uh, um, the laughter re re uh, releases medicine that counteracts pain. So even if you don't feel like it, your feelings don't vote. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You can just hate it from your nose to your toes. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 Your body doesn't have any idea, but it is now responding and going after the pain cells, going after the, the nerve endings. Going. It is producing life in your body because I can give you a scripture. Mary heart does good like a medicine, but a wounded spirit who can bear a merry heart. So your feelings don't tell you, you tell your feelings. So when you're getting out of bed in the morning, they don't want to cooperate. Ha, ha, ha. I feel great. This is the best day of my life. When's the last time somebody called you in the middle of the night and your reaction was, oh, glory to God. Somebody departed for heaven and left me millions of dollars. Somebody calls me in the middle of the night. That's what I say. Somebody left me a fortune because what used to happen is if somebody's calling at 2 o'clock in the morning, there's something wrong, you know, and sometimes it's still that. But, you know, listen, we get opportunities for prayer and God changes things. So, but our natural way of thinking, take authority over it. Inject God. Inject God. Get yourself a picture of a, um, a syringe and put it somewhere, and label it. I'm God-injected. <laughs> God's blood is injected in me. All good, nothing bad, no side effects. Now, for what he's already done for us. Okay, so, Matthew, um, Matthew, this is really important, Matthew, let's go to it, Matthew 6, 3, 33, pardon me, Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. God's word is so, listen, if you can't, 
and realize sometimes you don't even have enough in you to start somewhere. We've all been there where it's just pitiful, pitiful, and you know, you know the answer, but you don't even have the wherewithal to go and do anything towards the answer. Put your tape in with the Word of God. Go to sleep. Listen to somebody who's not screaming in your ear, but is telling you. Charles Capps is a wonderful for that. And just get you some word. By the time you can get up in the morning, you will be a little bit more energized than you were. If you do that every night, you'll be surprised. It will give you enough to go put a tape in, to listen even when you don't want to listen, to just put something in the background so you can catch it. Because the entrance of his word brings light. So if you don't even have enough to get started, that's a great place to go. Just purpose, make a decision. And so uh, Matthew 6 and 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So let me say it this way. Seek first God's way of thinking and doing things. Seek first. The first thing, when a, tr when, when a tragedy happens, what's the first thing that somebody does? They're going to call an ambulance. They're going to call a doctor, which is all a good thing. But he says, seek first. So while you're lifting for that phone to call, out of your mouth should be declaration of what uh, Terry and Jack have a wonderful account of how this happened, uh, how these things happened in their life and what they spoke. But if you don't have it in you, it cannot come out of you, which out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And if what you have in abundance is failure and lack and I'll never make it, and they say that I have XYD disease and I will never make it, then when the crisis comes, when the famine comes, when this comes, then only thing you're going to think about is what's out in front of you and you're going to not choose a good way if you choose God's way it will always be a good way so all right let's move on to number three then ask God for help so ladies you've gone to your father and say daddy help me I am I said dad I'm broke on the side of the road help there is a he does there is a wonderful thing when you go to your father. He doesn't say, now listen, I don't know about you, but I was taught some really wrong things. Well, you should have come to me six months ago and you wouldn't be in this place. You know, Holy Spirit never condemns, ever. Never. If you have condemnation going on and you didn't do this and you should have done that and this is happening, you are in the enemy's camp. Turn and run. You don't belong there. Don't agree with him. He's a liar and a loser. Don't agree with him. And when you find yourself agreeing, you know, Dad, Dad, help, help. Listen, I repent. Humble yourself. We want to take, this is the wonderful way I think the enemy has worked on us. We want to go over there after we've been forgiven in this whole load of life that we've experienced. And we want to pick up some things and carry them with them. Because after all, we made a mistake. And we should be accountable for our mistakes. So let's carry all that baggage with us. And even though we're clean and we're free before God, when we humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness and we receive it, we still want to take 
and say, yeah, but you know, I, that was just, I'm so embarrassed about what I did. I just, I was miserable. I shouldn't have been ugly. I shouldn't have, you know. And so we're taking it along as if we were never forgiven. And what we're really doing is we are in the enemy's camp doing the enemy's job. So what you need to do is you need to go back there. You need to dump it. Go before God and say, God, I missed it. I've missed it for 90 years. I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. But today, I'm asking you to forgive me. And I thank you for it. I receive it. Now, Father, I'm releasing forgiveness to myself. And I'm receiving forgiveness for myself. And I, you said, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you remove my transgressions. And you remember it no more. And if you, that I am, the God of all things, remember it no more, what gives me the right to remember any of it? None. So, I choose to forget it in the sea of forgetfulness like you did. I don't care what you did. I don't care how bad it is. If it's too bad for Jesus, we are all in trouble. But it's not. He paid it all. He forgave it all. All that's required is you come and repent and receive. And a lot of times sickness and disease is empowered in our lives because we choose not to forgive. We won't forgive ourselves for the mistakes we made, you know. Nothing is stronger than the power of God. If you allow see forgiveness, it works in your life. So, um, forgive yourself, receive forgiveness, forget, put it down, don't pick it up. And I did an example one time. We had this big, I think I had Pastor Bob sit on a chair and I tried to chug the chair all the way along to the other side and I told them, resist, resist. And so, can you picture, you know, several people on a chair and me trying to get to the other side of the room and pulling the chair. I'm not going to go very fast. I'm not going to go very far. And I probably won't make my destination before I give up and quit and say it's just impossible. But how easy it would be is if that same chair full of all of those pounds and I still had to get to the other side that I would let loose of all the baggage. And I can get there pretty quick, can I? How much baggage do you have today that you won't let loose of? How many failures? You know the average millionaire failed 12 or 13 times before they got their first million. Do you know people that have money, a lot of money, if they lose it all, within five years, they are typically back to or close to where they were because they cannot see themselves without money. But do you know those people that win the lotteries? Millions and millions of dollars, most of them within five years, all the money is gone because they can't see themselves any different than before they had the money. So all they have is the same problems, but they're magnified because they have millions of dollars to do things with now. And so all of those things that they never did just come and they end up exactly where they were before because the vision never changes, the focus never changes. So when you refocus, you're going to what you want and not allowing somebody to keep you where and going in a direction that you don't want. So number four, and you can reference Proverbs 3, 6 on that one. Number four is to show gratitude. Thank God, praise them, recall the victories. That's really important. How many times have you prayed for somebody um, and they got healed right away? It's like, yeah, victories. Recall those victories. Remember, thank God, tell them. Now in your own life, go back and say, uh, 
you know, Lord, oh, I remember this. Thank you, Lord. I remember that. Thank you. You did this. Do you remember, Lord, you did this? Well, he doesn't forget, of course. But um, Holy Spirit, what are some of the other things? And start thanking him. Be grateful for where you are. I've had somebody tell me, well, I don't have anything to be grateful for. And, um, uh, well, actually, I heard this one day. Uh, this guy was talking to another man, and uh, he's he talking to the preacher is what he was doing. And, and, um, and the, the guy said he didn't have... Um, uh, he didn't have anything to be grateful, and he was miserable everywhere. And the preacher says, oh, I am so sorry to hear about your wife. What a tragic accident. He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know. He said, no, my wife is fine. Everything's good. Oh, well, praise God. You have a wonderful wife, and she's doing well. And so then he, he, they were talking some more. He said, oh, you know what? I am just so sorry. I heard that your house burned down. Oh, my house didn't burn. In fact, I have a nice house. Oh, okay, great. And he checked another one. He did this five, I think five different times until the guy finally got an idea. And he said, I see what you're doing. We have so many things to be grateful for. And if you stir up that gratitude, you know, especially, you know, this is the really interesting thing. You got anybody in your life who's like, you know, Paul had the thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. You know, I can picture the... The, the messenger, you know, sticking them with the stick all the time. You haven't got anybody in your life that is like that thorn, that every time they show up, you know that it ain't going to be good. It's not, they have got you to know that it's going to be an awful thing, and you're already on the defensive. So are you lean to victory or you lean to defeat? Defeat is defeating you in that case. So you've got to think about something different. Inside of you, first of all, you forgive. You receive forgiveness. Yeah, but you don't know what they did, and they're just ugly, and they always talk ugly, and blah, blah, blah. And your feelings get to vote? No. What did God say? What did God say about the thing? He said to love. He is love, right? That we are to walk in love. Does that mean you have to accept everything and let people run over you? No, no, and no. And let me say, no, that's not it. But you can control how you respond. You can smack the smile on your face, or at least a nice grin. You don't have to be. You can be warm and welcoming. You can respond as you would want to be responded to, as opposed to responding the way they're anticipating you respond. And just because you have a difference of but somebody doesn't mean you have to have a fight with them. You can agree to disagree. But remember how we talk about unforgiveness? It's like taking poison and expecting other person to die. Well, a lot of life is like that. How you respond to somebody else doesn't affect them, but it affects you. Well, it does affect them, but, you know, it affects you more, let's just say it that way. Your choice. When next time you see that person coming that you think, oh, my God, help me, help me, help me. Then you just go up and say, hey, listen, I haven't seen you in a while. It's really good to see you. Like that color shirt on you. That looks good. Find something genuine to compliment. <laughs> you know, so what? It doesn't matter how they respond because you're, you're in, your integrity and your response is, is working up a better thing in you. Now, is it easy? No. No. Do your feelings want to do it? No. Does anybody of you want to do it? No. No, no, that person's mean and they're ugly and they kind of smell. But you know what? I don't see anywhere in the scriptures 
where Jesus avoided people that he disagreed with, that stunk, that were not, uh, you know, socially acceptable. In fact, those are the ones that he gravitated towards. So those are the ones I came for. And I got to tell you, this is what I got when I was praying. This team is going to people that others won't go to. You told me that years ago, but I heard that this weekend. We are going out in those that others won't go to that are outside of things are going to be. We're going to see the power of God in their life and restorations like you can't even think about are going to happen. All right, let's move on. All right, so uh, listen, let me, let me clarify this too. We don't, you know how in all things give thanks for this is the will of the Lord is what it says, right? In all things give thanks. It does not say for all things give thanks. There's a distinct dis- difference, you know, and I, when I learned it, it was like, well, you got to thank God for this disease and that disease. No, I don't. He didn't give it to me. It didn't come from him. It comes from the pit. Sickness and disease came in when sin came in. Sickness and disease is death in process. It does not come from God. It is not of God, and God does not support it. Because if it was, then Jesus lied. Because he said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what he says. And God said, this is my beloved son and him. I am well pleased. And so if sickness and disease, Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And if sickness and disease were of God to teach you something, then Jesus disobeyed the father. Right? But he didn't. So... We know that sickness and disease is not of God. And listen, just a hint, you probably already know this, but teaching, you know who's responsible for teaching us? Who did God send to teach us? Holy Spirit. Spirit. He never says anywhere, listen, young lady, I talked to the enemy. And he said, he's going to teach you a lesson. I thought it was pretty good. You know, it's really, when just just about done, just before you get ready to depart, I'll come and swoop in and save you so you know it's really me that saves you. (laughs) No, he didn't use the enemy for anything. He doesn't use the enemy to teach anything. So by believing that the enemy has power and he uses the enemy to teach you something with sickness and disease, then you are staying in in that area where they say, Defeat is your only avenue. But I'm here to tell you that victory, victory is possible for you. Defeat can be crushed so there's no evidence of it ever in your life. Okay, so um, you need to get into peace and stay there. We thank God for that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, he has an answer in, in through all of this, that there's always a way, there's always a direction. We thank God for those things, but we don't thank him for the sickness and disease. Psalms 156, let's look at one, 150 verse 6. Let's look at that real quick, and then I'm going to run through the rest of this, because I'm 150, in verse 6 says this, let everything that has breath 
praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And you know, in verse 1 it says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the filament of his power. Praise him for the mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. You know, some days you don't feel like it. You know, you got to be real. But again, what does your feelings have to do with anything? Feelings don't vote. I don't care what you want. You know, kids maybe want candy all day long. Guess what? Don't care. Not getting it. That is not healthy. It won't help you grow. I wouldn't be a good parent to give you candy 24-7. So this is what we're going to do instead. So you just tell your feelings just the way you tell a child that doesn't want to cooperate. This is what we're going to do. Um... 2 Peter 1.4 talks about being partakers of the divine nature of God. And uh, Philippians 4.7 and Colossians 3.15 talks about the peace of God. And this is what I really want to say about this particular point. The peace of God is so important. And if you're not hearing specific instructions of things to do, make sure you're in the peace. And you always know when you're in the peace of God because the storm can be raging around you but it's not affecting your thinking and your well-being it does that make sense the the peace so when you step out of peace you know you've done something you've been crossed or you don't feel like or whatever when you reckon the first moment you recognize you in areas and get back into that peace because the peace of God will lead you and guide you in areas when maybe hearing what direction to go in is not there so well, Lord do if I do this or I do this what 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 is the right thing to do and be quiet before God and stay in his peace and that peace will always lead you and guide you Pray in the Spirit. If you're not, um, um, if you haven't got baptized in the, in, the, in the Spirit, I recommend that you do that because there, there's power by praying in the Spirit. You talk directly with God. The enemy does not have uh, any way of knowing what's going on. I think that's just a delightful thing. You're, you're praying God's perfect will, and you're sticking it to the enemy at the same time. Hey, that's a win-win for me. Let's do it. And it doesn't take a lot of effort. You can be in the shower. You can be, you know, cooking. You can be driving your car. You can be, um, you can be irritated with somebody and get repent real quick and start praying in the spirit. And you allow. I always think about it as I am praying God's perfect will that will allow Him to work on my behalf in this circumstance or somebody else's. Um, feed your spirit is number six. Doubt your doubts. We are so good at doubting the truth some days. Why don't you doubt your doubts? You know, when, when something comes after, like I said earlier, condemnation always comes from the enemy. And uh, when you get something about, well, you missed it last time. You're just so horrible. Ha, ha, ha. I don't think that's right. I don't, ha, ha, ha. I don't think that's right. Do you think that's right? You know, I hear this one thing about, well, you haven't done it so far at this age. You think you're ever going to do it? And, you know, a lot of times I've agreed with it. It's like, no, probably not. I don't know if it's going to change now. <laughs> Listen, in the enemy's camp doesn't produce victory. Defeat defeats you. Get out of the enemy's camp. It's not hard. Kick him to the curb. Just move on. And so when that happens, I just tell him, ha, ha, ha. I, I think you're mistaken. Ha, ha, ha. You better go back and check the facts. And if the enemy's really irritating me or if there's a lot of thoughts coming and bombarding me, I just open up and go to the back, last page of the book and I said, let me read your part. It'll help you. And I said, it'll help me too. You know, so I just go to the end and I, and I just point. It is written. The end. 
That's all she got. The end. The end is for you. <laughs> Can't read. <laughs> I love it. So feed your spirit. Words, praise. Feed your spirit. Talk to yourself. If the enemy is talking to you so loud, God said, keep every, every thought. Pull every thought into captivity. You're never going to make it. You know, this report is really bad. This is the worst report that you've gotten. And see the way. See a way. Well, you know, close your eyes and see the way. Quit looking at the natural. This is the very best definition I've ever, ever heard. Or it's just the right time I heard it. Kenneth Copeland was talking about pilots and uh, about faith. And he said, as a pilot, he had to learn how to instrument fly years and years and years ago. And he said, there's something that happens to pilots upon occasion. He said, it's happened to him one time. And he said, all of a sudden, there's nothing but disorientation. You don't know what's up. You don't know what's down. You don't know what's going on. He said, if you follow your natural instinct, he said, you're going to crash. He said, many have crashed and burned. And he said, it happened to him one time. And he said, what he was trained to do is to put his head between his legs. Of course, he's sitting down. And he said, he said and the whole room spins. And you're off. So you're up there in the air somewhere. And you have no idea if you're up or down, which direction. And he said, you, you put your head between your legs. And you slowly, just very slowly, lift up your head until you see the instruments. You don't put your eyes above the instrument panel. You keep your eyes right at the instrument panel. Refuse to let them go everywhere else. Well, while he's talking about, what I thought about is, as I was lifting up my eyes, I saw the word of God. That's what I saw. I wouldn't look out there to see the circumstances. I wouldn't look over there to see. All I did was focus right on the Word of God. This is what the Word of God says. And until I was solid and set, then I could look up because the Word of God would still be guiding me and I wouldn't be looking out there at what was telling me I couldn't make it and I wouldn't make it and how I was going under and I was going to die that day. That is the most vivid thing. And he said this, he said, I learned a long time ago how to do faith by not walking by what you see, by just lifting your eyes up just as far as the Word of God and no more until you were solid. And then you could take those other things and then you, you, you look at those if, if they don't matter because they're secondary. The word of God is primary. And so, and that's how we act. I thought that was a great explanation. Um, so uh, let's see. We want to say feeding your spirit. So he says, hide your word, hide his word, keep the commandments. And uh, out, of, out of your belly, out of your innermost being uh, flow the forces of life. And he said this thing in the word that a lot of times I go back to, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, and the scripture talks about we can sin against our own flesh. You know, um, it talks about profanity. He says, so as he loved cursing, let it come on him like a coat. And it will be... I think he said oils to the bowel and things. In other words, sickness and disease. And so I think about that when our society is so full of vulgar words and that every, every other word out of somebody's mouth, and I'm thinking, you're cursing your own flesh. Why would you want to do that? Well, they don't know. 
So, but it's this big thing, but I don't want that on my body. So you learn those things about the word of God, what he says to do and what, you know, what not to do. All right, so number seven says, release your victory with your voice by speaking what you have from the victory view. Remember what the victory view is? We're not going to get it, but we have it because Jesus bought and paid for it. It's already been done. Refuse to speak or believe anything that counters the word. Look always for victory. Never entertain defeat. You know, that's a big thing. Think about when somebody diagnosed something over you. And we have the internet these days. And we can go find everything that relates to that sickness or disease. And before very long, if you, you know, I've known people who have studied the sickness and disease so good, I would think if you had studied the word of God so good and you know the word of God as well as you know that sickness and disease. Now, there's a balance because there's some things you have to know to operate. But you have to overload on the things of God in that balance because sickness and disease works 24-7. We think that it doesn't matter. But you can work 24-7 because the word works 24-7. We don't. The battle is not ours. The victory is ours. But when you come from the victory view and you look at it that way instead of you're not trying to do something, you have already overcome and you need to get the plan from God of how to walk it out. You're already victorious. He already bought and paid for it, and you have the receipt in your hand. So the police are stopping you saying, no, 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 you can't go. You have to pay for it. And you're saying, no, I don't. Here's my receipt. It's paid in full. Well, I'm going to get somebody to arrest you. You can't. I'm paid in full. The receipt is paid in full. Jesus paid the receipt for every sickness and disease. You're trying to make me pay for something that doesn't belong to me. It's not my responsibility. I'm not taking it on. I'm not doing it. I'm not fighting you about it, but I am going to stand on the word of God. And it is written that I am healed. I'm not going to be healed, but I am healed. And body, you are going to line up right now this day to what the word of God says. Now, what happens if you don't see anything happen at that moment? What do your feelings have to do with anything? You're letting them vote. Tell them no voting rights. You don't tell me, I tell you. Because this is what God told me. That's what I'm agreeing with. That's what I get. And you keep standing and you keep doing what you know to do. And the word will change. The truth will change the facts to line up. I once heard about this woman who had whatever big thing uh, going on in her body and, and um, she had x-rays to that point and she brought the x-rays home and she wasn't really thinking about it but she put the x-rays in her Bible but every time she would walk by she'd be talking about her healing and whatever needed to line up or whatever was wrong but she would kind of point at the Bible and she would make her declaration as she's walking by and whatever she said one day I don't know if she went back for a checkup or whatever uh, and nothing was wrong and uh, they got to looking at the x-rays. The x-rays had even changed. So there was absolutely nothing wrong. The word of God changed the x-rays. That's just a fabulous thing. We limit God a lot of times. So Revelations 12, 11, I believe it is, it says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word 
of their testimony. No test, no testimony. Reigns on the just and the unjust. But he said with every way, every temptation, he's made a way of escape. For every circumstance, he has the wisdom. Wisdom's the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all your getting. Get knowledge and understanding. Honor. And I got in one of my translation, wisdom, the word of God in parentheses. The word of God. God's word never changes. I don't. I'm going to read them again real quick. I have them on a little card, I think. And if I don't, I'm going to read them another way. Let's see. Nope, that's not it. All right, well, I'm going to have to read them from my notes, I guess. So you have to identify the thing. Where is my card? Well, all right, I got little things on there that I like. Here we go. Recognize the thing, what it is, negative thoughts, feelings, sickness and disease, whatever's calling you, what's ever at your door. Refocus your attention, acknowledge God as your refuge. Uh, your fortress, your strong tower, your ever-present help in time of need. Ask God for help. Dad, help me. He never tells you no. He never turns you away and never scolds you. Uh, the thing about that is, when you ask for it, you believe that you receive it. When do you receive it? I always say it, amen. Now. Faith is now. It's always now. When you receive it, you're not asking for it anymore, but you are expecting the package to show up. And so as you go, expect wisdom to be in operation in your life. Show gratitude, thank him, uh, recall other victories. Um, and I would say that it's really easy along that path if you start showing gratitude to those that are around you, you know. Uh, John and I would have coffee in the morning. Sometimes he'd get coffee, sometimes I'd get coffee. But, you know, eventually the coffee cup runs out and somebody's got to get up and get more coffee, you know. Sometimes I would do it, sometimes he would do it. And I would think a lot of times, um, thank you. Thank you, sweetie, for getting me coffee. Okay. Or he would tell me the same thing. It's not a big thing, but that gratitude does something in you and the other person that produces more gratitude, that acknowledges things that we take for granted and when you don't have it anymore. You know one of the biggest things I was irritated about after John departed was I had to unload the dishwasher. I was so irritated one day, I had to unload the dishwasher all by myself. It's like, that is a big thing. Hello, you know, get a grip. But I was like, man, you left me. I got to do all this work. But I was unloading the dishwasher. I got to do it. That man unloaded the dishwasher all the time, you know. And uh, I would tell him thank you and stuff. But it's the little things that you just don't really even think about that you could stop a second and say, Lord, I just thank you. You know, I just thank you. This has been great. On my journeys, I've gotten to pray for some, uh, a lot, quite a few people in some interesting circumstances. And some of it is just really funny. I'd be like walking away and God would tell me to, I was on a zip line when uh, I took a couple days off and uh, from my other things that I was doing, I was on a zip line. And uh, there's this young kid, you know, he's getting ready to go to college, so he's in his late teens, you know. And um, <clears throat> so we're talking different things and we're getting done. We get all our gear off and I'm walking away and God says, pray for him. I thought, oh, <laughs> it's okay. 
<laughs> You've got a lot of people around you. You're in unfamiliar territory, strange places, strange people. You know, you don't know what anybody's going to do anymore. But I heard God. I know I heard God. So I turned around. So my sister's with me at the time. She said, I knew what you're doing. I said, okay. So she kind of, she, she didn't stand guard, but she kind of, she's aware. Let me just put it that way. And then she's agreeing in prayer. And I prayed for this young man, what the Lord gave me to pray. And um, it was such a delightful time, but I'm all the time I'm thinking, I'm praying, my head is going in the enemy's camp. Like, they probably think you're pretty nuts, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I don't care. I got my eyes closed. It's a good thing because if I can't see them, they can't see me. And I'm praying for them for all I'm <laughs> So when I'm done, I'm done. It's like, okay. And um, um, I walk, I said, you know, have a nice I walk a couple steps, and this gentleman comes running after me and thanking me. He said, I've met a lot of people that say they're Christians. But you are the only one that's ever demonstrated that. I thought, you never know what God has planned for somebody. You never know. So be the conduit, even if you think you're some kind of nut, you know. Some days I think, Lord, I must have missed it because they, ah, mm, mm, but don't take your faith off their healing. Feed your spirit, number six, release your victory. Release your victory. Release your victory is number seven. Your voice is your victory. They overcame with the, by the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony. The word of your testimony. When you testify, don't tell them all the junk the devil's done. Give them a little snippet and tell them everything God's done. Give God the glory because there's somebody out there that's waiting to hear that there's a victory in their future and they don't have to let defeat defeat them, but they can defeat, defeat. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we just praise you and we thank you. Thank you for, and these are steps God gave me specifically um, um, one day. And um, so they're straight from Holy Spirit. They're not a result of hours and hours of study time, even though there's been study time involved in them. But this came straight from God one day. And so I hope it is helpful to you because it's helped me and helps me to refocus on some things and do. And so, Father, we're just grateful. We just praise and we thank you. And I thank you that you are already doing a work in this place and that we have stirred up things that need to be stirred up, Father, by your word. Your word is stirred it up. And I thank you, Father, that we all have victories out there that we can go after. And we have the steps to do it. And we have the courage and the strength because he who is in us is greater than he that's in the world in every area. Now, Father, I thank you for healings today. I thank you for turnaround. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you that the chains of bondage have been broken in this place today and that we do not leave the same way we came, but restored, energized, healed, and set forth to go and walk out a victory like only you can give us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>